Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. All right, if everyone wants to go ahead and move back to your seats. Welcome everyone to City Beautiful Church. We are the few that didn't need to uh, get their hair did before we go out tonight. So thank you for, you know, the sacrifice, the tremendous sacrifice you all made uh, to be here. Welcome everyone to City Beautiful Church. Um, If you don't know me, my name is Ryan and I'm a pastor here. Um, I'm really excited tonight we are uh, remembering. That's kind of the main word for uh, this evening. It's very important, I believe, that God, uh, God calls us not only uh, in what we're called to remember, but in how we remember things. Because it's only in remembering well that we're really able to co-conspire with the Lord for our future and to cast vision. And of course, that's really what we're doing with these next two weeks. Today, we're going to spend time learning how to remember well in the name of Jesus. And that's going to empower us next week to be able to cast vision with the Lord of what he wants to do for each of us individually for the year. Uh, and then the rest of the month, really, we're going to be honing in on where the Lord's taking us next as a community. So these next several weeks uh, are going to be really exciting ones for us. I always look forward to the beginning of the year. And it's funny because, you know, it's just an arbitrary day. There's really nothing objectively different about tomorrow as there is today. You know, at, at some point in history, someone decided this was going to be a date and we were going to shift everything and next year we're going to have a whole different number on the end of our calendar year. Uh, and it's actually changed several times in history uh, for various reasons. Uh, one, of the, one of the reasons was that they actually ran out of days. Like, the days keep getting shorter because there's only 364 days in the year. And they were like, okay, let's to- do the totally reasonable thing and add a quarter day to every year. So eventually we'll catch up and that's how we get leap years. Very strange. But the, the interesting thing is that as human beings, we create these rhythms in our lives. We, we make significance where there isn't previously any. And that kind of, that creation of a sacred space or or sacred rhythms helps us to understand what God is doing in our lives. And that's very much what today is about. Um, So before we really launch in, I want to just kind of go over some of the things that we have done and witnessed as a community this year. We've had all sorts of events going back to the very beginning of the year when we hosted the Anchor Mission Conference. And Anchor Mission is uh, a group of churches and believers around the country that I'm associated with. We hosted this year. We had about 50 people from all over come here uh, to worship, to to dig in with the Lord and to cast new vision um, for where this conference is going. And that was just such a beautiful time for us to come around them, to love them, to serve them, to care for them. Um, One of our partnerships is with Central Care Mission. Um, At the end of spring this past year, we did a field day out at their place um, that's kind of down past, just past Holden Heights area, and that was a whole lot of fun. Uh, And then we just had our Christmas party a couple weeks ago with them. Uh, So again, we went out to their place. We had white elephant. We had cookies. And it was just an absolute blast to be able to to come alongside of those guys on their journey of, uh, of recovering from addiction, centering their lives on Jesus and saying, you know, we love you and we're here for you and we believe in what you're doing. Um, this year we had our first Worthy Conference, which was an opportunity for the women in our church to come together to discover their worth in God as his daughters, uh, to speak over one another, to pray over one another, uh, to worship together. Um, we had our Thanksgiving potluck uh, just about a month ago. 
It was actually an international potluck, so we each brought something from our heritage to offer up to the rest. And for those of you who are just kind of vaguely white, there was plenty of bread, and <laughs> someone brought guacamole, and that was great. But it was this fantastic feast, and you know, I've, I heard so much positive feedback from that because I think you know, it, it, it was this beautiful demonstration of the kind of community that we feel like we're called to craft in diversity. Another one of our partnerships, we've been partnering with this church in Lima, Peru for several years. So not only did we send a team this year, but we've had several fundraisers for that, not least of which was Octubre Fest, uh, which was at the end of October. Uh, we came together, we played games, there was ridiculous costumes. Uh, Logan and Bethany Harris, absolutely a phenomenal couple who were leading up that ministry. Um, our third partnership, The Human Experience, which is a mentoring program in town. Um, we did a lock-in with those kids at the end of spring. Um, lots of pizza was eaten, lots of Mountain Dew was consumed, lots of dodgeballs were dodged. Um, so just some of those different partnerships that we're continuing on. And uh, another kind of unexpected event that we had this year was Hurricane Irma hitting our community a lot more than we anticipated. And I was so gratified to see how many of you reached out and said, what are we doing? Where's the action? And we started to compile a list of people who had needs and people who had free hands. And we were able to send folks all over central Florida uh, to go out and to help with the cleanup for that, not just that week, uh, but the, the weeks after that. Um, in terms of serving, uh, you know, I'm always so gratified to see. Yeah, Ezra's, Ezra's giving a little round of applause. That's right. That's good. Uh, in terms of serving, um, I find it amazing how much of a, uh, a culture that we have in our community of people choosing to give, not only of their, uh, their, their money, but their time and their resources. Um, in, the, in October, we had a team building workshop, everybody who ministers in our church. And we had over 60 people attend that weekend. And we came together to inquire of the Lord of, of who he's calling us to be and, and how he's crafting each one of our ministries and how they kind of speak into the direction of our church. Um, we had a lot of discipleship initiatives this year. Um, not the least of which was the Summer of Discipleship, uh, where we had over 50 people commit to, to being parts of these small groups for 15 weeks of choosing to go in deep, to hold one another accountable, uh, which is absolutely phenomenal. We had five weddings this year. Um, some of you know that our friend Janae Shirley prophesied that 2017 was to be the year of the wedding, and I think we did pretty well. Um, so this is Dom and Angie, many of you know them. Um, and we have another wedding coming up at the end of the month uh, in Garrett Callahan uh, and, and, uh, and uh, Becky Harm. Thank you. <laughs> Whoops. Hey, edit that one out of the, uh, the podcast. Um, we had two babies. Ezra was born in February uh, and Lucy was born in January. And we have another one on the way. This is uh, Selah Lake, uh, or that's what they tell me. I don't know. It could also be an ink blotch to see how your mind works. I don't know, we'll see. Maybe it'll turn into a baby at some point, you know, a full, complete postnatal baby. And that will be really exciting. Uh, we dedicated six children this year. Uh, we had several baptisms, people making that first-time commitment to the Lord. We had several rededications, uh, people that, for whatever reason, felt like now was the time to recommit themselves uh, to Jesus. And that's always a really special time. Uh, and then, of course, with our Benevolence Fund. As a church, we've committed to giving away 10% of our budget, whether or not we make that up. And so this year alone, we gave away $24,110.75. Uh, so it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, one of the things that we really took on with the Benevolence this year was to support uh, our friend Pastor Guillermo and his family in Lima. Uh, that we give them $500 a month to help them make up 
um, for the lack that they have so their children can get, go to school, they can continue to pay rent, and so on. And, and, and one of the things we've said several times with our giving, this isn't about you investing in this 501c3 nonprofit organization called City Beautiful, and then them over there, they do something with your investment. This is us as a family coming together and we give into the pot and out of that, we give back to our community and even people beyond that to continue to see the, the, the kingdom of God advance in really specific ways. And so if you give here, you're a part of that. You're, you, you, know, you, you can claim part of that as the work that you're doing to further the kingdom. And so those are just a few of the things that we've been involved in this year, but today I really want us to focus in on how God is calling each of you uh, to remember your 2017. And there's a couple different ways we're going to be looking at that, um, but if you look underneath your chair, um, there is a clipboard with a piece of paper that can be divided in two. We're going to have some moments of reflection uh, for us to spend some time with the Lord as we're learning how to remember well, uh, and I just encourage you to use that. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you, and if you would pray for me, we'll get right into this. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for these sweet times of worship that you've called us uh, to this strange and wonderful ecosystem of, of music, of word, of prayer, um, where we take time out of our busy lives to sit, to be quiet, to listen to you. Um, and Lord, you give us these spaces, these strange, wonderful, sacred spaces uh, so that we might meet you uh, and be transformed um, by whatever you choose to speak to each one of us. So Father, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit and to open each one of us up. Open our ears to hear your voice. Open our heart to receive your truth. Open our eyes to see evidence of your movement in our lives. May the words of my lips and the meditation of all of our hearts be ever pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And so not only are we going to examine what we're called to remember as followers of Jesus, but we're going to also look at how we remember things. I think that is really so often where we get stuck when we step into this sacred process of remembering. But first of all, why remember at all? Why don't we just let the past be the way that it is? I believe that remembering the past helps us to prepare for the work of God in the future. And we see this time and again in Scripture. If you just kind of do a cursory glance, you find the word remember used 231 times throughout Scripture. And so often it's this command that God is commanding his people to remember who he is and what he's done. And I, I, I'm really fascinated by this idea that religion itself is a way for us to remember. You know, one of, one of my passions in life is kind of redeeming the word religion. We often talk about, oh, your religion is bad, relationship is good. I don't believe that they're mutually exclusive. I do believe that there's bad religion and I believe there's good religion. But at its core, religion is a language we use. It's actions that we use to come into a space, to commune with God, to commune with one another, to kind of walk through God's story and allow it to translate who we are. And if we understand religion as that process of remembering, then we ask, what is it that we're remembering? And what we see in Judaism is that Judaism is specifically about remembering the Exodus. For them, in the Jewish narrative, that's ground zero. That is, that is the primary way in which Jews point to the story of God and say, that's what he looks like. That's his character. That's his will. So everything in the Jewish sacraments, in their holidays and festivals, is about remembering the move of God in the past 
specifically in the Exodus, so that it gives them confidence to look for the new Exodus, for them to look for the Messiah and him coming to deliver the whole earth. And then for us as Christians, we are also called to remember. But our ground zero of remembrance isn't just in the story of the Exodus from the Old Testament. We remember the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. That we point to that story as the one to say, this is what it looks like when God comes to rescue the world. You know, we even just finished up the Advent season. And what is, what is Advent all about? It's about us remembering the story of Christ's first coming in the Nativity so that it gives us confidence for the second coming. Because as followers of Jesus, we're kind of squeezed between these two great events. We're in this creative tension. Because we know what he looks like. We know what he sounds like. And the more that we tell ourselves the story, the more we're reminding ourselves of the character of God that's revealed in Jesus. And that gives us confidence to look with hope towards the future, to know if he's done it once, he can do it again. And he's going to finish what he started uh, in, in the life of Jesus. We find so often that the problems arise, not just in the story of Israel, but in our story, when we forget the past. So, for example, in Deuteronomy 5, in the very beginning of God rescuing Israel, um, we see him say this, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And time and again, God is reminding Israel, remember the story of the Exodus. Remember Egypt. Remember what happened there. Because so often in their story, it's the problem is found when Israel forgets the story of God. When they forget what God has done in the past, that they begin to deviate. They begin to go back to their old ways. They begin to look around at all of the other pagan societies and say, we want to do life the way that they do. We want to pursue power the way that they pursue power. We want to be a nation in the way that everybody else is a nation. And it's through the continual call to remembrance that God and his faithful are inviting Israel to repent. And the word literally means come back to the story, come back home, remember what this is all about. And for us as Christians, it's the same thing, that we are continually reminded, come back to the story, come back to it all over again, allow that story to give you context for where you're at today. We see this in 2 Timothy. Paul is writing to one of the young pastors of one of his churches, and he says, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And time and again, in that very first church, we see the insanity of Paul and these others in the most dire of circumstances, these places where we'd say, you can't possibly have joy. You can't possibly expect that God is real. Look at the material reality of your lives. And Paul is saying, no, 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 we remember Christ Jesus. We remember the story that God has woven through him, the story that has rescued us. And it gives us this confidence for whatever we're experiencing in the moment to know there's a bigger story at play. And that's the same admonition that Paul has for his churches, for Timothy, and it's the same encouragement that he has for us today. And so we're going to be looking at two specific ways, I think, that God is calling us to remember his story in a way that it translates our own. The first is that we are called to remember our disappointments of the year. We're called to remember our disappointments. And I think we get ourselves stuck holding our memories of the past in the wrong way. I think all too easily, many of us, we remember the fact 
We remember all of the things that happened to us this past year. But it's the way in which we hold those things that we get stuck, that we get wounded. I almost imagine it like there's these things that, you know, in the past, maybe somebody has done something to you or said something to you, or maybe you have done or said something in the past. And it's almost like there's this giant rubber band that's, that's uh, drilled into the ground in that moment in your story, and you're trying to move forward. And the, the farther you're moving into your own story, the more tense that, that rubber band is getting, and you feel like it's almost impossible for you to move forward. And I think we do this to ourselves so often. You know, we've talked about how each of us have kind of a natural time orientation. Some of us are really past-focused, some of us are very present-focused, and some of us, it's all about the future. You know, for me, I tend to be uh, someone who gets stuck in the past. I tend to reminisce a, a lot. And the way that I do it is I'm always thinking, oh, I should have. That's kind of my, that's, that's my stake in the ground. Oh, I should have said this, or I shouldn't have done that. And I find so often that builds into this sentiment of, of guilt and regret for the things that I've done in the past, this shame that I wasn't who I was supposed to be. And I so often attach myself to these moments in the past that prevent me from really being able to move forward in freedom. And I think it's not only true for us as individuals, I think it's true for us as a community, and I think it's true for us as a nation. I was reading an article recently that was talking about how America as a culture is collectively fatigued. You know, I think we will all agree this is probably, maybe Canada too, I don't know. I had this comedian say recently, Canadians get American news, Americans, we don't get Canadian news unless it specifically appeals to us. But we are, we are fatigued collectively. You know, this has been a very hard year. We're inundated with this 24-7 news cycle. And it's almost always bad. And it's almost always five alarm. And it's almost always doom and gloom and panic. And you wonder what that does to our collective psyche over time. As we're just constantly inundated day in and day out. And we, we try to either pay attention and, and remain objective or we try to just tune it all out and just kind of forget all of it. You know, even in these past few months with all of these, um, you know, all of the accusations of sexual assault that have kind of permeated all of the pillars of society, I can only imagine what it's like to be a woman in that kind of culture, to constantly be berated by those stories. And as much hope as there is, and us finally having the national conversation, it can also draw up these memories that many of us would rather forget these feelings of, of trauma or abandonment or loneliness or abuse or whatever it might be, and it becomes this heavy weight, this burden that feels like it's almost too much for us to bear. And like I said, our temptation is either just to give in to disappointment and hurt and pain and accept that this is just the way the world is and nothing's going to change, or in somehow we try to forget, we try to escape, we try to transcend all of this, hoping that maybe something down the road will change in a way that we don't have to actually engage with the past. But I think Jesus actually calls us to a different way of remembering. One that's not just being resigned to our past, but also one that's not about escaping our past. And so the first thing I want to say about remembering our disappointments is this. Remembering well helps us to enter into forgiveness. Remembering well helps us to enter into forgiveness. I heard it said uh, a long time ago, and I'm not sure who the original author of the quote was, 
But remember, uh, forgiveness is letting go of the hope for a better past. And I really love that. I think so often when you and I, when we struggle with unforgiveness and bitterness, it's because we get stuck in those shoulds. We want to we rewrite the story. We wanted it to turn out a different way. We wish we had said something else or we had done something else. We wish that person hadn't said that thing to us or hadn't done that thing. And we get so stuck in that that it leads us into this place of unforgiveness and unforgiveness breeds bitterness. And we start to close ourselves off, not only to the past, but to the present moment as well. But I think when we learn how to remember well in the name of Jesus, it becomes the first step towards genuine forgiveness, which is us letting go of disappointment. Not in a way that erases what happened, but in a strange way that it blesses it. You know, I spoke often about how I've come to this conclusion in my life at this moment that the sovereignty of God is less about how he's got this divine play and we're just marionettes that he's wandering through our life and everything's already set. But I think the sovereignty of God is actually in his amazing ability to turn curses into blessings. His God's sovereignty is his ability to turn curses into blessings. We say this time and again in the biblical narrative, and, and many of us have witnessed that in our own lives, where the deepest, darkest, most irredeemable moments in our story actually get turned into blessings. And this is the, the really important thing for you to hear tonight. God does not change what happened in the past, okay? God doesn't go back into the story and change it so that, it, that there's a different outcome. He changes the outcome itself. He blesses the event, not because the event changes, but because the outcome. Because whatever happened was intended to curse us, to lead us away from God, to lead us away from loving community, or to lead us away even from ourselves, from our own story. But when we allow the light of Christ to shine into our stories in the past, to bring about forgiveness, what was intended for our death actually becomes life because it leads us deeper into the presence of God. This is why the best stories that people tell are not like, yes, I've always been awesome and I got all A's and then I went and got my bachelor's and my master's and my PhD and everything's been great and I married the perfect woman and I have a totally awesome car and I've never really struggled. That's the worst testimony of us I've ever heard in our lives, right? The stories that we always tell that are the evidence of God moving are the stories of brokenness, the stories of darkness, the stories of disappointment. Where we came before the Lord open-handed and said, I don't know what you're going to do with this but I'm kind of out of options. And so when we learn to remember well, it begins to lead us towards forgiveness. And not least of which is forgiveness for ourselves. You know, I've sat with many people in our community and heard their stories and prayed over them. And one thing that time and again people say is, I'm okay with this idea that God forgives me, but I don't know if I can forgive myself. And it shows how hard we are on ourselves. You know, that we think that every moment of our lives we're supposed to be the finished product. That we're, we're supposed to have already figured it out. And we're supposed to perform all of it admirably. One of the biggest revelations I had this year was that normal and healthy are not the same thing when we're talking about human beings. Isn't that great? Normal and healthy are not the same things. We usually put just an apostrophe there. This is a normal, healthy human being. Because what happens then? Any moment of brokenness, we're not normal and we're not healthy. But guess what? The normal for human beings is that we're all a little bit broken. 
And we're all a little bit crazy. And we're all works in progress. And the sooner we realize that, the more we're able to allow God's grace to actively move in our lives. We give him permission to work with what's there. If we already anticipate that we're supposed to be the finished product, that we're supposed to be perfect human beings, there is no space in our lives for God's grace to actually move. And we see this, Paul's writing uh, to the, the church in Ephesus, and he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. That all of these things, things that we call sin usually arise out of places where we've been disappointed, where someone didn't meet our expectations, where we didn't perform admirably and we lashed out. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And it's when we allow the fact that we're all on the journey together, that none of us have it figured out, that we begin to forgive one another, that we're kind and we're compassionate, that we remember that just as God has forgiven and continues to forgive us, so we extend that forgiveness to one another, not least of which is ourselves. And that brings us to the second way in which we're called to remember our disappointments of the past year. Remembering well leads us to ask for divine justice. As I was looking at remembrance in the scriptures, I was so struck by how often in the Old Testament the command to remember comes from God to his people, but so often it's the command from the people to God to remind him of his promises. We see uh, just one example of a David in 2 Chronicles says, Lord God, do not reject your anointed one. Remember the great love promised to David, your servant. And time and again, we see this in the Old Testament, that either the ambassador of Israel or all of Israel themselves, they're coming up and they're like, hey, Yahweh, hey, Yahweh, you remember that thing that you promised us a couple hundred years ago? Well, now would be a really good time to see that happen. And, and for us, we're so uh, polite and we so sterilized God that we couldn't possibly bother him. We couldn't possibly interfere because he knows what he's doing and we're just going to sit back and we're just going to passively wait that maybe possibly God might just follow through on his promises to us. But I love for Israel, the word that literally means to wrestle with God, part of them was knocking on heaven's door and saying, hey, God, Yahweh, wake up. Time for you to follow through on your promise. And that becomes so much a part of the Jewish identity. And I think for us, that becomes part of our identity as well, that we're called to wrestle with God, that we're called to come to him seeking divine justice for the disappointments in our lives. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells this parable of this persistent widow who keeps going to the courthouse and knocking on the door of this kind of old cantankerous judge, and she keeps insisting that he hears her case and he tries in her favor. And eventually the judge gives in and he hears her case uh, and she walks away vin vin uh, vindicted? Nope. Vindicated. Vindicted would be bad. Vindicated. Yes. Um, and Jesus says, you know, if this persistent widow can come to this cantankerous old judge and find justice, then how much more are you able to come to your Father in heaven who loves you, who delights in you, and to ask for that same kind of justice? And I think we have to get over this idea that we're bothering God if we bring our disappointments to him. That somehow we're just supposed to grin and bear it and hope that maybe next time things will be different. But instead to have this active remembrance where we come to God and we say, hey, this isn't okay. 
I want to see evidence of how you turn curses into blessings. I want to see what you're going to do with this disappointment, with this pain, with this place of neglect, with this place of abuse. I want to see what you're going to do there. So that's going to bring us to our first moment of reflection. I'm going to pray in a moment. We're just going to invite the Lord to reveal something to us with this question. What has been a disappointment to me this year in which I'm still waiting to see God move? Because I believe that when God begins by giving us the language for our disappointments, that we are actually going to begin to see some breakthrough. And so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we recognize that you are a God who not only are you with us, but that you turn curses into blessings. That you've taken, already, you've taken some of the, the most desperate stories of disappointment and loss in this room, and you haven't changed the event, but you've changed the outcome of that event because we've found ourselves uh, more wrapped up in your arms. And so, Lord, send your Holy Spirit in this moment to speak to each one of us about a place in our lives this past year where we've experienced disappointment because something hasn't gone our way, because we did something that we weren't supposed to do, we said something we weren't supposed to say, whatever it might be. But Lord, if there's, there's an event or a moment in our story from this past year where it's holding us back, where it's leading us to unforgiveness and bitterness, would you illuminate that to us right now by the power of your son, Jesus? feel like the Lord's revealing something to you, just write it down on one half of that page. Lord, thank you that our disappointments aren't too much for you, that you actually delight when your children come asking for justice, asking you to teach us how to forgive. Lord, continue to speak to us about disappointments from this past year. If you need to keep writing, of course, go ahead and do that, um, but we're going to continue on. So if the first way that we're called to remember is remembering our disappointments, the second is for us to remember as testimony to remember the good things, to remember that places and the times and the moments when we've seen God move in our stories. And I think that we're rudderless to hope for the future when we forget the move of God in the past. And so for many of us that maybe we live in the present moment too much, this is kind of the trick, this is the problem, where it's only about the present moment and we, we're not able to kind of step back and to see the evidence of God moving through our lives. But as we're able to kind of pause, to reflect, 
to allow God to show us the moments when he was moving and speaking in our stories, it gives us this courage to hope again. And as we've talked about hope throughout Advent, hope for us as Christians is not, oh, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. But for us, hope is something entirely different. It's us having confidence that God will follow through on his promises because we know his character and we know his will. And I think when we pause to ask the Lord to show us evidence of his work in our lives over this past year, we begin to see these patterns that, that point to, that build a personal story of God's character and his will in our lives. You know, during um, community time, uh, the folks in the back played one of my favorite gospel songs of all times by the Reverend James Cleveland. It's called Thank You, Lord. Uh, and it's, the album is absolutely fantastic. It's just like a single microphone hanging in a room and this choir just going at it for like an hour and they're screaming and the microphone's like overdriving and this person gets a solo and that person gets a solo and it's, it's great. Uh, and one of the things that I love about this song, Thank You, Lord, the, the, the lyrics are just, Thank you, Lord, for one more day. I woke up this morning and you gave me bread to eat. Thank you, Lord, for one more day. And one of the things that I've respected so much about black theology is that it's rooted in this sense of thankfulness for every single moment. Even the things that are so mundane are invested with the evidence of God's grace, that he woke us up today, that he gave us food to eat. And I love that that's so central to the, the, the story of the black Christian church because I think it's something that all of us can learn from. It kind of pushes back, it, 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 um, it combats this cultural exceptionalism that we have, that we talk about how we're supposed to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, that the American dream is about us making it by our own merit. And we have that sense of entitlement that everything we have today is because we earned it, that we made it happen. But when we have this theology of thankfulness, of reminding ourselves time and again, no, it is by the grace of God that we even woke up today, it begins to challenge some of those assumptions. We have this almost demonic phrase in the church sometimes today, God helps those who help themselves, which is really to say, when you begin to get your act together, maybe then God will notice you and deem you worthy of him working in your lives. And it's terrible because it leads us to the sense of legalism. It reinforces this idea, I have to clean myself up before I am presentable to the Almighty. I have to start getting it right. I have to figure out what are the rules and the regulations and what's the path I'm supposed to follow and maybe then I'll be worthy of entering into his presence. And we find where this kind of American dream sense of, of individualism and consumerism directly combats uh, the gospel, and we wonder why we walk around so dissatisfied because we've tried to do it on our own merit. We've tried to be strong and capable and self-sufficient, and it hasn't worked. But remembering well helps us to see the fingerprint of God in our moments of blessing, to be able to name in our lives the places where we've seen victory, or conversely, where we're in the, the, the lowest points in our story but we were so overwhelmed by the presence of God that it didn't even feel like it was a failure. So we're gonna take a second moment. The first was about remembering our disappointments. The second is gonna be about remembering as a form of testimony. And so I'm gonna pray and we're gonna ask the Lord this question. What has been a testimony of God's faithfulness to me this year? And so Father, we, we need your guidance. We need your Holy Spirit again um, to, to walk us back over this past year and to show us evidence of you moving in our, in our stories. 
uh, in trials and in temptation, in victory, whatever it might be, Lord, show us the moments where we can point back and say, yes, that's what it looks like when my God comes to my rescue. That's what it looks like for Emmanuel, God with me in the person of Jesus. Holy Spirit, reveal to each one of us right now uh, a way that we can remember as testimony that gives us confidence to look to, to the future with hope. Father, uh, we repent of believing that history is a series of human events that every once in a while you make a cameo in. Lord, teach us your story so that we realize that history is the unfolding of your character and we get to witness that. We get to play a part in that. But we need you to open our eyes to be able to see evidence of you working in us and through us. Amen. And so we've looked at how we're called to remember the disappointments of the past year. We've looked at how we're called to remember um, the, the testimony of God's faithfulness to each one of us over the past year. So kind of finally, I want to center us in on one of the most beautiful phrases in Scripture. Do this in remembrance of me. We've talked often in our church about the value of owning our stories. Um, that God has gifted each of us with an incredible diversity of stories and how he has spoken to us, how he's moved in our lives, how he's shaped and formed us and brought us into this present moment. Uh, and one of the things that I feel so gifted with in my own story was being raised uh, in the Anglican church. Um, one of the things that we do in the Anglican church is the centrality of, of what we call Holy Eucharist or communion or the Lord's table. You know, different churches call it different things. Um, but as you know, I probably never really reminded my dad very much, the sermon is just the warm-up for the main event in the Anglican church. Everything about the, the service is leading up to that place where we meet God at the table. And I think Paul, St. Paul really knew this. Um, in 1 Corinthians 11, um, he's writing to the church to remind them what the Lord's table is all about. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in the remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And I think what Paul is inviting us to recognize is the active remembrance that happens at the table for what Jesus has done for us in the past. That Jesus himself calls us to an active remembrance of his work, how the past blesses the present and leads us into the future. 
History isn't something that just passively happens to us. It's something that we actively look for the movement of God and we co-conspire with him to see it formed. And you know, when I look back at my own year, there were tremendous big, big capital E events in my life that I could point to and say, ah, that was the evidence of God moving in my story, turning curses into blessings. I can see his fingerprint all over them. But this past week, as I've been remembering, it's been the small moments. It's been the conversations. It's been the times of prayer. It's been sharing community with people. It's been these little moments of solitude just between the busy moments in my schedule where I was able to to open up that moment, to take the mundane and allow it to be sacred and to recognize, do this in remembrance of me. Come to the table in remembrance of me. Bring all your disappointments, all of your victories, all of the most boring parts of your story, all of the most exciting, bring them all to the table. And when you do that, you're proclaiming the Lord's death and resurrection until the day that he comes. So I want to invite you to stand with me. And we're going to come to the table. And I want you to bring those two pieces of paper and you're going to lay down your disappointments on the table as a, as a demand for justice to say, God, I need you to show up. I don't, I don't want to move into 2018 with this thing hovering behind me like this specter trying to hold me in unforgiveness and bitterness. But I also want you to, to bring with you that testimony of God's goodness, his kindness, his compassion. To bring with you the stories that you can stand on in gratitude that give you the confidence, the hope for the future. And when you lay those things into these two baskets then, I want you to take the body and the blood of Jesus into your body and believe that that's an active remembrance, that what he's done in the past, he continues to do today in this moment, and he's continuing to do it until the entire world is rescued and redeemed. And once you've taken communion, once you've come to the table, I want you to go to one of these tables in the back, and I want you to grab uh, a Martinelli's sparkling cider, non-alcoholic, of course, uh, and we're going to use that later on as we uh, open up a space to give testimony. Um, so let's pray, and then I'm going to invite you to the table. Heavenly Father, you call us to an active remembrance of the work of Jesus, not just 2,000 years ago, but in this very moment, and especially the act of Jesus over our 2017. So, Lord, we come to your table, not seeking to clean ourselves up, not seeking to make ourselves more presentable, not seeking to put on a face that you, we, we think that maybe you will find more appealing, but we come genuinely as we are in all of our disappointments and in all of our testimony. We come as we are and we lay these things on your table. Lord, give us expectation to see you move in our lives, in our stories, as you continue to turn curses into blessings. As we take into our bodies the body and blood of Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would meet us there, that you would transform us from the inside out. As we come to your table, we are changed. We are made new. We are rescued and redeemed. We are given back our health and our hope. Heavenly Father, as we continue in worship, we give you permission to move in us and through us, to speak however you want to speak, and to act however you want to act. We pray these things in the strong name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's come to the table.
We're going to open it up um, for some people to share testimony, to give evidence of, you know, what, where have you seen the fingerprint of God uh, in our lives? And because it's New Year's Eve, we're going to, to toast each one of these testimonies um, in a form of celebration that, you know, the, the journey's not over. None of us have ever fin- finished product, um, but we get to continue to come together uh, to revel in the grace of God. Um, so I, I wanted to actually open it up by inviting our dear friend Chrissy uh, to come up and to share. Um, so listening to this message, I kept thinking, what am I going to say? But listening to this message was basically my testimony without specifics. And this year has been, um, learning to let go of the things that I was holding on to dearly and made my identity. Um, and by holding on to those things so tightly that I was doing, Um, I couldn't receive the grace and the love that God was trying to pour out on me. He kept trying and showing me little by little. I even had a moment up here where I stated how lonely I was feeling, even though surrounded by all these people. And God's like, just let go. Um, And so even this past um, birthday, I finally came to that moment in my life where I questioned my own faith. I'd heard people say that all of my life, and I was like... I'm good with God. Why would I question my faith? But I finally did. I was really angry. I got rid of all of the bitterness and the anger and the resentment that I'd been holding on to and disappointment that I'm a 36-year-old single woman without kids, without a husband, um, without a boyfriend, without a relationship. And that's all I've ever wanted out of life. But I was holding on so tightly to that that he can't do anything with it. So I've let go, and hopefully soon, I'll be that marriage that you see, and I'll be that child, and you'll have my son running around here. I'm still holding on to that hope, because there's part of me that's still, it's hard to believe it, but it's there. So, here's to New Year, and um, I also just want to say that this light's back here, I don't know who did it, but it looks like I just heard This is the heartbeat of rhythm made of light running through this place. So, just want to say that. Cheers. All right, the tough one's over. The very first person, who's next? Come on up, Lisa. And remember, guys, this isn't you performing. This isn't you even telling your story that God makes a cameo in. This is you telling God's story and that you get to witness it through your life. Hi. Go ahead, Lisa. Um, I think for me, it's just really been about God's provision this last couple of weeks. Um, Some of you may or may not know. I'm going to try not to cry. Um, I had a really awful year last year, and I had a very challenging year this year. Um, just a job that was not great at all, just an awful boss. Um, and God thankfully took me out of that, but unfortunately it was not into a full-time job. And so I have not had a full-time job in four months. And so um, I, and I'll even show this because I know normally they don't, but I've, I've been a beneficiary of our benevolence fund. So thank you all. You paid for my rent once this month. Um, but I'm not homeless. And I, even though some bills are not current, um, like I'm not 
completely eating ramen noodles, which maybe I should be. I don't know. <laughs> but um, but it just this last couple of weeks, I've just really been reflecting on the fact that you know these last four months, while it's still been challenging and trying to figure out things, um, you know, even what do I want to do with um, my life and and pursuing you know different things. But like God's been faithful and He's been providing and. You know, I'll just get, like, last week I just had random, I mean, I haven't held a Mary Kay party in a couple weeks, and I had random $300 orders, you know, like, last week. I mean, so it just, just random things will pop up. So just, he's just been kind of, not kind of, but he's been showing me, you know, I've, I've got you. I'm providing for you. And, um, and sometimes it's just a random order, and sometimes it's, you know, I have to take this step forward. But, um, but either way, he's, he's got my back. So it's just been really sweet to experience. It's good. It's a provision. Anyone else? Manabri? So I grew up in a very different church background than this. And um, at the beginning of this year, like joining some small groups and stuff, I really wanted to know what it was like to hear the Lord's voice. And um, I had never really learned much about like the prophetic or anything like that. So I just asked the Lord like this year, I would like to know, like I would like to hear you and I would like to know that it's you and I would like to become practiced in it. And um, yeah, I just, I just realized this like yesterday, but um, I can like talk to the Lord now like a regular conversation and definitely hear anything he wants to tell me and be confident that it's him that's speaking. Um, so that just came through like practice and a lot of prayer and other people praying over me. But yeah, that's my testimony for this year. Thank you. To hearing the Lord's voice. Did I see some movement from the Acevedos? Why don't you just all come up? Come on. Behind every strong woman is a man holding a baby. Leslie, and this is Robert and Ezra. Um, I actually had a really great year. So I, and that's coming off of probably six or seven really, really hard ones. And um, this sermon was really timely for me because um, for a lot of years, I just wanted to know why things were so hard for so long. And um, in this really great year, what God showed me was that he kept giving me pictures of like all those times that I thought he wasn't there. And he was showing me like that he was there, like in really, really hard things. Like I saw pictures of him lifting me out of things and like helping me to the next thing. And in a year that was really great, it turned out it was really great because he was healing me from times that I didn't think he was there. So I feel like he put on my heart to say that people who are really in hard years, if, if 2017 was just awful to you, I challenge you to like look at, look at those moments and try to find where his grace and his mercy is like, Lord, I know you're here right now. Like, I know this is really hard. And um, earlier in the year when I was pregnant with Ezra, we went through a hard time where we thought he wasn't growing well. But the Lord was so faithful to us and gave us a community. And that's what I challenge you to do. Just like reach out to people, let people love you because God is here and he shows himself in so many different ways. That's it. 
Hi friends, um, I'm Carly, or you can call me Charlene. Um, call me whatever you want, um, it doesn't matter. Um, daughter of God, you can call me that if you want. Um, but this church has just been such an awesome part of my walk with Jesus and part of this experience. Um, because this isn't a journey, you know, there's no end point, there's no just destination, it's just playful, and we get to live our life in community with God. And so, um, you know, I've, as Ryan was talking about disappointments and testimonies, I was, I kind of started just writing a list of all the things that I felt like disappointed me this year. Like, a friend was sexually assaulted by our boss, and my boss did nothing for justice, and um, just, all these things, cousin, like struggling with heroin addiction, just all these ugly things that just kind of make you feel anxious or depressed or down. But then I started writing down like almost this long list of all the places I've seen God move and getting to be a part of like the spiritual gifts community group and being a part of someone else's healing. And even just last week, sitting on my friend's couch and her proclaiming that she knew that the Holy Spirit was there and present and using both of us to meet each other right where we are. So I am just overflowing with gratitude and thankfulness for this community, for everything that God is doing in my life. I'm so excited about the future and I have such eager anticipation because I know that God's promise is every day being fulfilled in my life and in the lives of everyone around me. So thank you so much for being a part of this playful experience that I get to live with all of you and with Jesus. Um, I'm just so excited for 2018. It's going to be such an incredible year. Um, so God is good all the time. And thank you again. Thanks for listening. God is good. <laughs> Who's next? Victoria. Hey guys. <laughs> So um, this is, I don't know what this is, but maybe it's a fun fact. Um, I was thinking about this, I don't know if it was last night or this morning, um, but we chose to name our daughter Selah. If you don't know what that word means, that's okay. It's actually found in the Psalms, kind of in between chapters or, you know, stuff. So um, there's a lot of mystery surrounding what the word really means. And we chose that because we like the fact that it's mysterious, but it also, some scholars and translators believe it means a place of rest or peace. And some scholars think it means like a place to praise God and exclaim great things. So we liked that in-between mystery of like, maybe it's a place of rest, but maybe it's a place of praise. Um, and so our year has been ridiculous and crazy and really hard at times and really confusing. Um, but I like the fact that somehow through this year, we have a daughter now and her name is going to mean a place of rest and peace, but also a place to praise God and exclaim the great things he's done. So in 2018, may you find your place of peace and rest in the crazy things that don't make sense, but may you also exclaim great things and praise God for the things that he's doing within those places of confusion. So that's to 2018. Selah. Jenner Wimmer, everyone. Well, he moved us to Chicago and we found a church, which is a blessing in and of my, 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 in itself. 
um, I found a job that is so challenging that I have to press into the Lord um, in order to continue working every day, um, which is great. He gave us a huge scholarship to send our kids to like our ideal Christian school. And that is ridiculous. And yeah, I mean, we're lonely and it's hard, but I feel like once we step back and look at all these, anything else crazy? Oh, he gave us another baby. What? <laughs> Without, yeah, <laughs> that's really, really new. Um, so you can pray. Uh, yeah, so I mean, literally it's crazy, all the testimony that he has done for us. Yeah. It's great. It's crazy. One more. Who's going to? All right, Omar. Just strolling. He just knows. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to say, like, many, many years ago, um, God called me to this community, and he called me to stay in this community. It was hard for me just because of just anxiety and um, just I was very shy and soft-spoken. And But I stuck around kind of in the outer orbit, and, like, I just kept being called further and further in. And here I am, and now I feel known, and I feel like I know people, and I feel a part of this community instead of just um, orbiting on the outside and I, I couldn't be happier right now like um, just the amount of joy and love that God brings me every day and sometimes I just think about him and I think about just everybody here and just all of the wonderful blessings that have come um, and uh, yeah I'm just I'm happy to be here and I'm glad that he called me here and God bless you all and happy new year to happiness so let's stand. We've got one more song. Um, and let's just worship. Worship out of your disappointments. Worship out of your, your victory. You know, the, the story continues to move forward. And we want to meet 2018 uh, with a sense of confidence that God is still on the move. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.